Welcome to This Week in Hearing, where listeners find the latest information on all things related to hearing care. As you may have seen in some of our other uh, productions, uh, we talk about things from politics and hearing care legislation to device technology, to pharmaceuticals, therapy, therapeutics, uh, all the way to the latest trends in practice management. And one of the latest trends that we've found these days is in the area of leasing, or I think as we would probably better talk about that, we would call it a subscription to hearing care. I'm your host for this session, Bob Trainer, and my guest today is Jim Cothy, Head of Sales for Whisper Hearing Aids from San Francisco, California. Our topic today will be hearing aid subscriptions, but by a manufacturer's kind of a, a orientation to the hearing aid subscription process. Uh, welcome to the program, Jim. Thanks so much for being with us today. And uh, both of us have been involved in hearing care for probably longer than we ever want to admit. And uh, uh, thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much, Bob. It's great being with you. I don't mind admitting how long it's been. It's a great field to be in. So it is, yeah. I, I love it. And, and it's, it's been great to be because I know you're a, you're a master's degree audiologist as well before you joined up with one of the uh, unnamed uh, large manufacturers uh, out in the world. So with that orientation to the, uh, to the products and the use of the products, to me, that was a very refreshing orientation for a colleague that was uh, in the sales area. Yeah, I mean, I loved, you know, my background as an audiologist, and I've drawn on it, you know, a lot throughout my career. But yeah, most of the time I've been on the manufacturing side of things, which has really been something that I've really enjoyed because, it, you know, been involved in bringing new technologies out to, to the profession. So yeah, it was a great background to have to be in this field. Super. Well, I, I think before we can really uh, understand leasing or subscription, remember when now, we began uh, looking at leasing a long time ago. And do, do you remember those days? Well, I do, um, but it, you know, I know you've written about this in the past, Bob, and I kind of went back and reread one of the articles you wrote for Hearing Journal just recently, and you reminded me that it was in the 50s that it actually started, so I'm, I'm happy to say I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it has been around uh, quite a while in different forms. It seems to kind of come and go. But right now, it seems like there is a little bit of a resurgence. I think, you know, probably for a number of reasons, consumers are maybe more open to it. There's a, been a generational change in the, the people who, uh, who are buying hearing aids today. I think there's some real technology reasons why it makes more sense today. You know, and in, back in the day, I think it was more of a financial uh, tool, you know, it was used a lot for people if they felt like they couldn't afford uh, hearing aids. But I think it's going to change uh, from just a financial tool into a, maybe a different way of thinking about hearing care and hearing health care. Well, my, my guess is that, that uh, some products tend to lend themselves a little more toward a subscription model than say the traditional products that you and I've dealt with for most of our career. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the Whisper device, what makes it lean a little more toward a subscription model than a purchase model. Yeah, happy to Bob, thank, and thanks for that opportunity. So one of the central differences between the Whisper system and other hearing aids um, that, that are available today is that our system is a learning hearing system, which means it's upgraded constantly. 
So when you think about traditional hearing aids today, you know, people do a fantastic job of building the very best hearing aid that they can at the time that that hearing aid comes out. But then the hearing aid basically stays the same until someone decides to buy a new hearing aid. It's, it's a very hardware-based sort of a system. The main idea behind the Whisper system is to move away from just a hardware-based system. Of course, we have to use hardware, you know, earpieces, and we use what's called a Whisper brain. We have to use hardware to deliver uh, this sound. But what is very unique is our ability through software to change the performance of the, of the hearing aid over and over and over again. And just in the year that Whisper has been available, we've already seen a couple of upgrades to the system and they've been fairly major things where we've been able to help people improve their ability to understand speech. We've changed the way that we deal with some, some loud sounds. We've added other features like more connectivity to more devices. So those are just examples of through software, we can make a system that gets better and better and better over time. So that is the part of the system that really lends itself more towards a subscription because people are more used to systems now where they don't just pay for the hardware, they pay for the ability for that hardware to get better. Uh, maybe you know one quick example would be your cell phone. Uh, that's one that we talk to a lot of consumers who are considering the Whisper system. We talk to them about the similarity with cell phones where you have hardware, but that phone is actually updated over and over and over again, either by features that you add like apps or uh, just the overall performance that the company is. Tonight, there's a download. Do you want to make your phone better? Yes or no? And people, people usually want to make it better. Okay. So yeah, I, I think there is a real technology reason that we've chosen to go with a subscription system because the technology changes rapidly. One of the tools that we use to make sure that we can upgrade these systems rapidly is artificial intelligence. So that gives us the ability to make sure that the system keeps getting better and better. So it's more than just a little firmware kind of a modification as we see in the traditional products. It's more of a overall kind of uh, operating system kind of a modification such as we see in the cell phones. Yeah, that's true. And it's a good point, Bob. There have been upgrades to systems in the past and firmware. You know, I, I would say the more typical example is if uh, Apple uh, makes a change in their operating software, then hearing aid firmware has to be up, uh, upgraded in order to be able to match. Uh, but what we're talking about here is a fundamental difference where constantly improving the performance uh, of the system. Like I said, we use artificial intelligence as this engine to improve the fitting algorithms over and over and over again. We think that there's a new speed to development that's about to happen with hearing aid technology because of artificial intelligence. And it would just be a shame to be so hardware based that as those improvements are made, people are kind of stuck with the same system uh, when we know that things can be made better and better. We talk a lot with consumers about a performance gap, that from the time they buy their hearing aid, as other hearing aids are developed, the longer they wear their, their system, the more their gap there is between their hearing aid, even though it was a great hearing aid when they bought it, and what they could be wearing. That's what we're really trying to uh, eliminate here is that gap between what current performance could be and when they when they first bought their system. So we want to be able to do that through software and we want to be able to do that by a person having a subscription so they have access to this uh, to this technology upgrade. And the component that's upgraded is actually the brain part, the kind of 
piece that fits in your hand kind of, uh, rather than in the instrumentation itself that the person actually is visible behind their ear. That's right. So we use a receiver in the in the canal, uh, your RIC devices. That's what delivers the sound to the person, and and that those can be used alone. I mean, they have they're great devices on their own. They have directionality, they have noise management, they have feedback management. So they're they're great high you know high end uh, instruments all by themselves. But you're right, the ability to give extra performance that. Uh, artificial intelligence can give us when people are in really difficult situations and this ability to upgrade the system over time, that takes a far more far powerful computer to do. So, you know, usually in a great earpiece, you have maybe two, two and a half billion uh, operations per second. This whisper brain gives us 300 billion operations oh. per second. So it's, it's a magnitude of difference that we that we have some some power to do things better and continue to make the system better. It's a long ways from the first digital hearing aids that we both remember for sure. Uh, it is. Let's see, are there certain kinds of people though that will have some issues with, yes, I really, I believe this. I think it's a really good idea. The products sound really good and so on, but maybe they're not gonna use a lease, a lease option. I mean, it seems to me like there may be some people because of their personal style or the way they've done things all their life or whatever, they may not kind of be on board with that subscription system. That's a really good question. And it's one that we didn't take lightly. Uh, we went out and talked to a lot of consumers before uh, heading down this road to be sure that they'd be comfortable with it. And it kind of reminds me, Bob, of, you know, there's was always an age old question of whether certain types of people who will buy high-end hearing aids and is their personality yeah. different from somebody who would buy mid-price? And it turns out that, that that probably isn't true. What really determines what someone becomes interested in is the skill of the professional in explaining what the benefits really are and, and what this would mean. And that's what we found when we discuss leasing or subscription with people. We found that there are certain words that are kind of trigger words that people may say, I would never do that. Leasing is, it tends to be one of those Probably words. Probably rent is another one. <laughs> What's that? Probably rent is another one. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if you have only one view of what a lease means, and for most people, that's a car, you know, and we're in here, we're in healthcare, you know, we're in hearing healthcare. And so we try not to really associate with, with something like, you know, uh, like buying a, or leasing, leasing a car. We try to associate much more with things that are done in healthcare. And so, you know, there are really good examples now of other parts of healthcare that are moving to subscription systems or leasing systems. I, you know, I read recently about in diabetes care, you know, you people lease their insulin pumps, partly because it makes it more affordable for people, but partly because then you can make sure that as that lease ends and you start a new one, you always have upgraded hardware. And that's one of the ideas I think in hearing care that's gonna become real important. We wanna be sure that people turn these leases over, these subscriptions over routinely so they have access, not just to the best software the way I described before, but also to have access to the, to the very newest and best hardware at an appropriate time. Well, you know, you also see that in heart kinds of uh, pacemakers and things like that where the software can be updated to make it work a little more efficiently and so on. And so I think we're seeing more and more of that in other healthcare areas, as you suggest, and why not? And 
And now, one of the things too that I think might be of, of uh, interest to, to the viewers, it seems to me that a product like this could be highly differentiated from the over-the-counter products and traditional devices and so on to give a practice a significant amount of differentiation from other practices in the community. That is a really good point, Bob. I think we all know that there's going to have to be more and more differentiation between practices. Just relying on selling hardware, how we sell a hearing aid traditionally today is going to be more difficult. There's more and more confusion from the consumer on pricing of, of systems. So yeah, this is a way of really thinking very differently about how you're providing hearing healthcare to, to your patients. Back to you know the question about are there certain types of people and how would we explain this to people? We do tend to talk more about this is a subscription for your hearing healthcare that includes the hardware and upgrades and the care that you're given. So it's much more secure for the patient. They don't have to worry about, well, what am I gonna be paying and when should I upgrade? There's a lot more security built into the system of, you're being well taken care of by a great professional. We've got updated hardware. We, have, we can improve your system over and over again. So the idea of a subscription or a lease makes far more sense to the person than just kind of the old way of thinking about it as well. It's just a way so you don't have to pay as much up front. It also kind of like, kind of like I don't want my father's Oldsmobile. You know, I, I want to have uh, the, the upgradable kind of a device. And so that would make a lot of sense. Plus the differentiation. If, if, if I hadn't sold my clinic, I'd probably be looking at ways to differentiate in so many different ways. And this could be a, could be a nice way to do that. So in that regard, is this a profitable kind of enterprise for the hearing care professional? Is there enough built in there where it makes it valuable to them to not only use this for differentiation purposes, but also to uh, increase their margins and keep themselves in business and things of that nature? Yeah, I mean, it has to be, you know, without a doubt. And I think there are a few things that go into making sure that it's profitable for people. You know, going back to the article uh, that, that, that you wrote uh, fairly recently, kind of reminded me that there is a tipping point of how long people have their hearing aids to when they might start to wander and look outside of the practice. And that tends to be when the hearing aid is out of warranty, that after that point, you know, more than half the people start to shop a little bit. So when you have a leasing or a subscription system like this, people stay with you, you know, at least in, in our case, the, the system is always under warranty. It's always under loss and damage because it's a three-year program. So people stay with you until it's time to make another decision. So in that way, you know you have a, a much more secure relationship with this patient. That is highly profitable. A few other things that at least we try to do, we make sure that the clinics are compensated upfront in a system like this and don't have to rely on, okay, a monthly payment. I have to bill somebody monthly. We don't want people to have to change their billing systems or, or things like that. In fact, we do use an existing company called uh, Allegro who's done this for a long time in, in hearing care. So they do the billing for folks and take that burden away from the clinics. So yeah, it, it can be a highly profitable uh, way to, to think about managing your patients. Yeah, because I, I think uh, some of the some of our colleagues out there remember the days where we had people trying to sell us on products that were, for example, the songbird, where you, you sell this and then you sell it and you sell it and, you, and then you do that the, 
10 people, then you do it to 100 people, then you do it on, and you build your your income from that. And where we are with what we have here, it doesn't, it isn't one of those kind of accumulating kind of a thing. It, it sounds like there's some, some business things built into the system as people think about acquiring this particular device. Yeah, there are. But I think the point that you make about a recurring revenue model is also important. So it's a, if it's a three-year system, the first three years, you know, people are, are uh, profitable on those patients. But then when it comes time for year four, you would assume that most people, if they've had a great experience, uh, they've been well taken care of by the professional, their hearing system has gotten better, that they would want to renew their subscription. So now in year four, you're actually doubling. You know, then, you know, three more years go by, now all of a sudden you're, you're tripling. So this idea of a recurring revenue model does become uh, real, real important and, and very profitable and something that a clinic can count on. You know, it's, it's much easier and uh, bo on both the patient and the clinic when you've had a positive relationship to continue it than to go find new customers all the time. Cool. Well, I think that's, uh, that kind of brings us to, to a point where I think what we wanted to do with this session was to at least give colleagues an idea of why a manufacturer might be interested in, in monitoring and uh, motivating people to lease their devices and how that was going to be different than, say, a traditional manufacturer doing a, a well, for a clinic that is trying to use a leasing system with traditional products. So with that, I think uh, we'll end our session. Part of our model is to keep these timely keep them short, but give you some of the peak level information in hearing care. So I'd certainly like to thank Jim Colty for being with us today and providing us great information on why a manufacturer might be interested in leasing their products rather than putting them out for bundled sale. It's really been great being with you. Yeah, like we started uh, this session, I think the time is right. You know, I think there's uh, consumers are more open to this. Um, they're a different generation. They think about, you know, leasing and subscribing to things. It's very common uh, to most people. And like we talked about, I think the technology lends itself to it. I think people are going to want to be able to keep up with technology, especially if it if I'm right, and it moves faster and faster, especially because of, of uh, the influence of artificial intelligence, people aren't going to want to buy a hearing aid and be stuck with it for yeah. four or five, six, six years or more. So, uh, you know, for us, it, you know, it really lends itself uh, because of the nature of our product. But I think for a lot of products, it, it will lend itself. And I think it will help consumers see hearing practices in a different light more than just buying a, a hearing aid. So for a lot of reasons, I think we're, we're on the right track here. And Great. thanks for the opportunity to, to put our views out. You bet. Thank you, Jim. And for those of you who are, are looking for uh, more information on leasing or subscription, as we would probably like to refer to it, we will be doing a second version of this, this particular topic at a later time. Again, thanks, Jim. And we will uh, look forward to seeing all of you next time at This Week in Hearing. Thanks, Bob. I'm Bob Trainer. I'm your host for this particular topic of leasing or subscription, as you may choose to talk about this. And our orientation for our subscription discussion today is for traditional hearing aid fittings. My guest is Dan Qual, 
Director of Strategic Initiatives for Fuel Medical in Portland, Oregon. Dan has been at the forefront of leasing for, or subscription for traditional hearing aid fittings over the last few years. And uh, he's here to kind of help us understand that a little more specifically. The first thing I have to ask is, what does a strategic initiative director do? <laughs> I, I have a great job. And my job here uh, at Fuel is to try to keep my eyes on the horizon uh, and look for uh, solutions, strategies, uh, tactics that can be employed at the clinic level to uh, address the issues that, that uh, are coming at us on a day-to-day -day basis. So whether it's uh, over-the-counter, whether it's the Medicare Advantage, looking at new programs like this, subscription models, these are the things I get to uh, work on and focus on. It's, it's pretty fun to do. Cool. Well, you know, I know that many of us have had the opportunity to listen to some of your presentations and webinars and things of that nature. But I'm not so sure that our audience has a good idea how you got into this and where you came from into being the director of strategic initiatives for a major buying group. Yeah. So yeah, a little background. So here at Fuel, they, they call me an industry veteran and that's because I have a lot of gray hair, but I, I have been in the uh, profession of audiology in the industry of hearing aids for more than 40 years now. But actually it goes beyond that because uh, my father was a hearing instrument specialist, a dispenser. And so he got into that, that world uh, in the late sixties, early seventies. And so I kind of grew up around it. And he said, if you are going to even uh, entertain this, uh, this industry and doing this work, you need to get an audiology degree. So that's, that's the angle I went. My first 18 years were in private practice. In fact, I owned uh, as many as five clinics. And one of the things I found during that time is I, I was, relatively entrepreneurial and I, I like to grow and expand and, and do different things. But once I uh, exited there and sold my practices, I, I got into corporate audiology. And so I've held executive positions with Amplifone, mostly with their network and, and working with people in their private practices. And then also uh, I did some, some work with Starkey for several years, a really interesting work. And then that led me here to Fuel. I always said my career was backwards because my first 18 years, you know, I hear I was managing clinics and then the last 22, 23 have been actually getting into people's clinics and seeing how they work. And I always say, boy, I wish I'd have known that or I wish I'd have done that. You know, you get so many great ideas from the, uh, from the clinicians out there that are, you know, on the front line. And so uh, that's what I enjoy about network uh, uh, organization. But it's refreshing to know that someone with a, with a substantial background and orientation to the industry is in certain executive positions to begin to help all of us that are clinicians to facilitate our practice on a much more efficient basis. One of the, the things that was about leasing, you know, I had a, a, we did an interview here not long ago with Al Turi, who's the, the head of the uh, clinics down in the villages. And, and he's told me that, and all of our audience, that, that leasing was the mainstay of his practice these days in all of his seven locations. So how did you kind of look at the, the leasing or the subscription model as a possible thing that's different now than it was maybe uh, in the late 60s, early 70s? Because we all remember when it was here. Well, all, some of us remember when it was here. Yes. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> 
And for some of us remember when it was here before, and then it just kind of went away. So I guess uh, with with that as an orientation, why is it better now than it was before? And and uh, where do you see the, the the subscription model moving? Yeah, so there is a uh, a storied history of, of leasing in 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 the industry, but one of the things that started uh, taking us down this road, and I'll, I say there's three factors that are really influencing it today, but the, probably the key one was technology. So when I was working at, at Starkey, I was working with uh, Dave Fabry and Dennis Van Vliet, and we were trying to look at models that says, you know, how do we keep patients on the top of the wave or the leading edge of technology that's taking place because it's changing so rapidly. And so we looked at different models of, you know, can you can you reduce price of hearing aids if you if you turn the patient buys every three years or every three and a half years instead of every four point two to five to six years and, and so what we found is that you know suddenly that the financial model can change the cl clinic can still make its revenue per hour with less money if it's on a shorter time period but how do you then to get them into this technology you have to ensure that they do it every three years right and so that's where all of a sudden the, the subscription model comes up now there was a couple other factors that are converging at the same time one of them was of course the comorbidities we're starting to see um, in associated with hearing loss and so suddenly you start you know thinking about the medical management of sensory neural hearing loss you know this is a chronic issue that is with everybody for a lifetime and so we have to really start as a profession understanding what does that mean to take the patient on their journey from identification and early intervention, which may mean over-the-counter products, into and through hearing aids, accessories, and sometimes uh, into cochlear implants. And so, you know, that those comorbidities and the you know, need for us to manage it was another piece. And then the final piece was uh, consumer be behavior, so behavioral economics. And one of the, the leading uh, business models today, it's the fastest growing business model in the U.S. economy, is subscription models. And so we have a, a segment of consumers moving into our, into our profession, into our industry of hearing aids that are used to buying, they like, they want the cert, they want what the products provide, they don't necessarily have to own the products. And so we see that, you know, obviously cell phone is probably our, um, our biggest model that we can look at. And that, that was kind of when we sat down and started talking about that, we were really looking at how could we keep people into a, a single manufacturer and the manufacturer gets to keep that, you know, once it's a, you know, XYZ manufacturer, how do they get the next fit, you know, and how do they get the next one? They wanted to, we were looking at it from that standpoint. When I came to Fuel, we said, well, why couldn't we just put any product into it? Why can't it just be a, a clinical protocol or program? And so that's what we sat down and designed. And that's what we launched. We've launched it now, Bob, about the two and a half years ago. So we are in a really interesting time with our model. We go on a three-year turn rate for the technology aspect. And so what we believe is that we can keep people on that technology wave on a three-year cycle. And so we'll be coming up on that first cycle here in November and December of this year to the patients that first you know moved into that. That is, uh, in fact, one of the things that we're really excited about is to watch the percentages of, of patients that do automatically move into that next set of, of um, products. It's a very interesting model. So, so it sounds like it's semi fur, we would say fur line for the dispensers as they begin to move from servicing the lease to possibly having a release situation by the consumer. 
Yeah, so when we look this out, like many people, I, you know, we don't like to come, I don't like to compare uh, our profession and, and, the, and the fitting of hearing aids to the automobile industry. Right? We're not the same, but we have to recognize we understand a, a lease with, a, with a, a car. And so when you look at that model and you understand when you get to the end of the lease, you have options. That's what, we wanted that same thing to exist for patients. And so when they get to the end of the lease, they, they really have three options. One, they can buy out the residual of, of the product so that they can continue on with the set of hearing aids they have. Two, they can get the new technology and roll over and move forward with at the same payment rate or three they can actually hand the hearing aids back in and move on to you know in a different direction if that's what they choose to do so we really give the patient uh, a lot of flexibility in what they in what they can do but one of the things that we're really excited about and i think you can relate to this as being uh, on the front lines and, and working with patients is with my patients when i was practicing obviously you have to start introducing these new products and start talking to them about what's new and you felt like you were constantly in a position you know once you were at the three to four to five year mark where you're t constantly trying to do the sales right yeah have to understand i've got to present the the new technology i have to give an idea what it'll do and so it turns into some lengthy and sometimes uncomfortable conversations with this model you know this is like your cell phones like you get a new hearing aid so instead of talking about the sales aspect of the hearing aid it's like let's talk about the features you want in your new product let's sit down and have a discussion about what's changing in your life and you're you've got a new uh, a new hearing aid that we can fit you with let's get to the latest technology and make sure it's fitting your lifestyle so we think it changes the dynamics and the conversation between the professional and the patient and we're excited to watch that transition over the next couple of years so I, I think I think it really changes the talk track at the clinical level it allows people to concentrate more on taking care of their patients rather than trying to offer some sort of a sales orientation to them, no matter how they, how they yeah. provide that sales orientation. So would you think that there are some types of patients maybe that work uh, a little better with the leasing uh, or the subscription Absolutely. model? Than other types of patients. That has been a really uh, interesting learning curve for us. So I, I would say the number one thing we found as we started launching this program, we started doing follow-up with the clinics that had adopted it, is that when it was first being used, they were using it as a finance program. And that is probably the one big red flag and you know piece of information I would want to share with your listeners is that don't bring on leasing uh, or subscription models into your clinic to use it as financing. You really should get to the end of your, uh, your hearing aid evaluation or communication assessment. And when you're going to make your recommendation for a treatment plan, I think you need to let the patient know there's three ways to enter into that. One, you can purchase a product outright. Two, um, there's the ability to finance and break it into payments. Or three, you can move into a subscription model where you make a monthly payment and you're in a program that where you're totally taken care of. The hearing aid's always under warranty. You're never going to have a repair charge. You, all your services are covered. So it's really a bundled product. We're going to follow you and make sure that, you know, obviously as your hearing progresses, we're going to adjust and make sure we're, you know, looking at depression issues, any of the factors that are, are following it, but it's a total package. The patient just makes a monthly payment and then they move forward. And then at the, when three years comes up, the conversation turns to, hey, we're ready you know, into this program to get the new uh, latest technology. Let's talk about what we want to do with that. And so it's not a finance program. I, I, um, and that's one of the things I think that differentiates our program maybe from some of the manufacturer programs that have done leasing is they really, they have very little residual. So they're basically financing the product. We do have a, a residual at the end, you know, depending on the, we have four levels of technology that people can purchase through it. And so it's pretty complicated. 
comprehensive and, and can encompass uh, what we need for everybody. So that's the number one thing. The number two thing we, we found is age. And so, you know, this is really a program. Age has a factor for two things. One is, I think some of our elderly patients that are in the 75, 80, uh, 90 year old uh, range right now, this kind of model is foreign to them. They're not as uh, savvy as maybe our 65 and 60 year olds. And so they still want to purchase in a more traditional way. So you have to keep that as part of your practice. But when you start looking at the younger people who are coming into our clinics, the people that are in their 50s, 60s, even early 70s, who are going to be repeat users, and they're going to be buying two, three, four sets of hearing aids in their lifetime, this model fits them, you know, absolutely perfectly. You know, the other factor and what I like, you know, putting my entrepreneurial business hat on is we know from you know, some studies that were done, they came out of the Harvard Business Review. It's called the value or service profit chain. And, you know, these three gentlemen looked at what, what is the key drivers for successful service-related businesses. Why, why does, you know, if you have two dry cleaners in, a, in the same market, why does one do well and not one not, not do well? And they looked at it from everything from insurance to dental to, uh, you know, medical, all kinds of things. And the, and the key drivers are three things. We call them the three R's. And that is, you know, once you capture a, a patient or a customer, they are going to be repeat so they'll buy from you again if they're happy and satisfied. They're going to buy related products. And in our case, that's going to mean anything from room and management to accessories to, uh, you know, anything else that's going to help them hear batteries in the old days. That's, that's coming a little bit obsolete. Uh, but the third one, of course, was referrals. And so out of this study is that came a lot of the, what we see today when we get the questionnaires on our receipts uh, or through our phone that says, how satisfied were you? A lot of those uh, net promoter scores came out of this, uh, this study. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that these patients are coming back and purchasing from us again. And one of the things this program does, because they're going to get their hearing aid automatically through you, they're going to come back to you. They're not going to be, be shopping around. They're not going to be looking at the alternatives because they know that they, they're going to be have that new technology coming. So we we think it, it's a really strong patient loyalty program. It's a great way to make sure your patients are staying with you. You get to you know, see them on a regular basis. It's a simple monthly installment. And so it, it just makes a lot of sense from a patient loyalty standpoint. And I think that's a key driver in the, in the world of private practice audiology. So yeah, and for, for many years, I've advocated the idea of a, a hybrid kind of a pricing system where you have a bundled system, you have an unbundled system for patients that purchase products from, from others. Yep, and then absolutely. you additionally uh, have a leasing subscription model where whereas people can obtain the benefits of, and of course, we, we all know the difference between features and benefits. Uh, we all right. had that, had that uh, MBA lecture uh, one time a long time ago where People don't buy features; they buy what it does, what it does for them. Exactly. Where where they can actually obtain those things without uh, wiping out their savings account, they can still use maybe that little bit left over in their Social Security check to to facilitate their amplification needs throughout their lifetime. Now, this has been very successful in some practices, and I mean, like ultimately successful in these in these practices, things that saved their practice during the pandemic things that saved their, uh, their capability to take care of their patients the way they always wanted to. My understanding is that in some states, it's a little harder to do the subscription model than it is in other states. And I thought you might want to at least mention a little bit about that, Dan. 
it's an important factor. Now it's a very limited number of states, but what, what shifts is that when you move out of a dispensing of a product and, and where, we're, where we're going when, when we're talking about here are the tax ramifications for product. You know, most often in most states, hearing aids aren't taxed. And so, but when you move from a, a actual purchasing of the product into a subscription or leasing model, there are a couple of states that then suddenly the tax apply. And so, you know, you have to take into consideration and understand those factors in your state. So in, in one state in particular, we, we see that they, they have to increase the the price the uh, monthly fee a little to compensate for those uh, those taxes. Now we work with a company called Allegro, and so Allegro handles all of that on the backside. It's not a burden on the clinic, so um, the payment is increased. That that money goes into Allegro, and then Allegro, of course, handles all the taxes and takes care of that. When you run through a subscription model with your patient, and once you put them through the Allegro uh, program and they get signed up and are approved, then the clinic gets a lump sum, so they're not waiting for monthly payment from their patients. They get a lump sum of money like you would in a, in a typical transaction. It's, it's slightly reduced, but you'll get totally whole at the end. One of the things we ran the models out over several years and the clinic will actually be revenue ahead if they use this model just in total cash. So if you took two patients, one who purchased them and they bought from you three different times buying the hearing aid versus you put somebody on a subscription model and they went through three cycles, you'll actually make slightly more money in the office for that. You won't on the first time around, it's slightly reduced, but because we shortened the, the turn time to three years, you start to see increased revenue long haul with, with the clinic. So we, you know, on our revenue, we like to measure things on, on revenue or margin per clinical hour. This, these are real strong models for that. And so um, for that reason, we're, we're bullish on that for as a program inside. I, I think you mentioned something that's really important and that is, you know, you, you need to have different options. I mean, I'm totally with you and we could have a great discussion about service plans and adopting patients and, yeah. you know, understanding the value we bring to the patients with our professional knowledge and expertise. And so, you know, we can take any product and we can do analysis on it and do real ear and really look at it and adapt it. But, you know, we need to really understand that those, those kinds of things and options are things we have to have at the clinical level, particularly moving in today's business environment. The type of patients that you and I saw for years and the type of patients that we're seeing today are altogether different. As, as we all know, they're better educated. They know more about what we do. I mean, when, when I started in audiology, I would say, people would say, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm studying to be an audiologist. And they would say, what kind of stereos are you gonna sell? And uh, so, exactly. so we have all been there to that one. Now, here's, here's a question that we, that we really didn't field too much, uh, Dan, but um, I, I'm kind of interested in how the leasing or the subscription model actually would interface into modification of some of the managed care issues that we see in the clinic so much, so much these days. Yeah, so that's really another issue. We we worked with Allegro, and Allegro was great with working with us on this. So the first one we had, the first hurdle we had to overcome was was patients that come in the uh, clinic with a defined benefit. So that would mean I'm in an insurance group that is giving me maybe a thousand dollars per year every three years. 
acres or giving me, you know, $2,500 towards whatever. So uh, somebody that wants to do a subscription model there, they can actually subtract that off the total uh, price of the, of the, of the total model and it reduces and it reduces the payment. So they stay inside the model. You still capture the patient and they're, they're getting that same program. Um, it just deducts their benefit. That benefit comes straight then into the clinic. And so that's the way you work with it there. As far as when we look at the model with the TPAs, where we're dealing with the Medicare Advantage plans, um, and oftentimes we're getting a fitting piece, then it becomes an alternative model for the patient. So one of the things we, we can't, we, we take for granted is that when a person has a benefit, that that's the, the only thing they want to use. And I think what we have to remember is they are still consumers. And, and uh, in today's medical world, um, you know, consumer reigns. And so when they come in, they want to know the value of the program you're bringing. And so some of the TPA programs really are focused, are, they're product centric, right? They, it's all about getting the product, getting it fit, and a couple follow-ups, maybe one year of service. But after that, where's the, where's the medical management of this patient long haul? So we have to recognize that we, we need to introduce our patients to programs, pre, premium products, premium service packages that are different and give the patient a choice. And some patients opt to, to go into programs like this versus the, the TPA. Because once you, once you start adding on your services on the backside, you fit the product and they're going, it adds cost. And so, you know, they're not that far away from what you might offer in, in a program like subscription, or maybe even in, uh, you know, your straight uh, direct, you know, your products sold to the patient um, for ownership by the patient. So, you know, I think we just have to constantly keep that in mind. The TPAs, obviously, that's another topic for another day. That's another topic another day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, but I think it, it meshes in really well and gives you an alternative. It gives you an, uh, something else to discuss with the patients about a total uh, management plan for them, a treatment plan. So, if uh, so, if someone's interested in hasn't really done much with the subscription model and they need to know a little more about it, how would they contact someone to, to do that, Dan? Yeah, so the, you know, obviously they can um, go online and come to fuel, um, fuelmedical.com, um, or they can you know contact me, dqual at fuelmedical. I love to sit down and talk to uh, business owners and audiologists, non-business owners, um, you know about what it means and and how how it can be implemented. Like everything else, and when you're talking to bringing in something new, it you have to develop the materials to educate the patients, and you have to develop the protocols inside so that you're showing and telling the, the uh, treatment plan program story the right way. And so that's one of the things that we do is say, here's how you can implement it. Here are the tools you need to, to have those discussions with the patients. And that's really important to do. You know, without good planning for bringing a program like that, you'll struggle getting it getting it off the ground. So really, you really have to sit down and map it out. They just need to call us. We can help with that. There are other programs around uh, that they should look into, obviously do their, do your homework, but, you know, reach out to your manufacturer or call us. We're, we're happy to have that. And, and some of the other buying groups also have some programs in this regard these days Absolutely. Absolutely. as well. Well, yeah. uh, that's about all the time we, we have for, for this particular session. But I'd certainly like to thank Dan and Fuel Medical for being with us today and providing some specific insights into the subscription model, which we can't call leasing anymore. because It's like uh, leasing is almost like rent. So we can't call it that anymore. So with all this new information on, on the subscription model, again, hope you'll be back with us again next week for this week in hearing.